The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. And turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter number 3. We'll read verses 1 through verse number 14 of Ephesians chapter number 3. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which is given to me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby, when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I am made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world was hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ." to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ." This morning, pastor's going to bring a message simply entitled, I am included. I am included. Just so thankful for each and every one of you who took the opportunity to just worship with the Lord with us this morning. I've enjoyed our opportunity going verse by verse through the Bible, just studying it here uh, for ourselves. Uh, several of us uh, this weekend were down at a marriage retreat, and uh, we had just had an incredible time uh, just kind of with our spouses. Uh, there was some great teaching just on marriage, on the home, and it was just, it's just an incredible time. And so for those of you uh, who were able to make it out, I'm just so glad, and I hope it was a help and encouragement to you. Uh, this morning, we're going to just continue through this series, uh, Identity, Who Do You Think You Are, as we move literally verse by verse through this portion of the Bible uh, that we call Ephesians. Um, as I was studying this book of the Bible, there's six chapters of it. It was written by the Apostle Paul. There was a very interesting passage, the one that Pastor Nick just read a moment ago, and it was really interesting to me because of the fact that as I'm reading it, it's hard to kind of comprehend and, and to think that maybe a preacher would do this, but as you're reading this, you realize that the Apostle Paul, as he is writing this letter to the people of Ephesus, he kind of gets caught off on a rabbit trail of sorts. Um, <laughs> How many of you who have ever been sitting in church and the preacher, the teacher, like totally goes off on some rabbit trail? You ever been there? You're like, yeah, pastor, we listen to you do it like every month, you know, going off on this or going off on that. That is kind of what's happening in this passage. Um, if you get to know the personality of the Apostle Paul, he was kind of one of these tape type A kind of personalities. And sometimes we read the Bible and we don't really read it through the lens that these are just normal people with very real personalities going through very real human experiences. And, and if we're not careful, we can almost kind of like, 
like read it from a perspective like it, it's not real life. It's not something that really happened. And so we tend to have a view as we read the passage and, and we lose a lot of the humanity of it as we're just kind of reading through these texts. Now, I want you to see this because it's really interesting here. Um, you, you totally get what Paul, the Apostle Paul's doing. Notice verse number one. I just need you to see this because I, I just almost found it theologically hilarious to be quite honest. And as I was studying, I, it just kind of made me laugh because I do this all the time myself. And, and notice what Paul says, okay? Paul says, for this cause I, Paul. This is the first verse of, of, of verse, uh, chapter number three here. For this cause I, Paul. And he says, because of everything we talked about in chapter number one and everything we talked about in chapter number two, for this cause I, Paul. All right? Okay, this is exciting. We're all sitting on the edge of our seats because we've been blessed, chapter number one, because we've been saved, chapter number two, Paul stands up and says, for this cause, because of all these things, I, Paul, and we're all sitting on the edge of our seats, we've got our ears turned, what is it? What's the apostle Paul, what's, what's, what's he about to do? And, and here's what's crazy. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation, and you start reading and realize, Paul never actually says what it is he's going to do. He totally goes ADD. <laughs> like for 13 verses, Paul goes ADD. He's like, you know, he's, he's uh, for this cause, I, Paul, and, and then he starts to ramble. I'm the prisoner of Jesus Christ, da, 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 and he starts going through all these things, and it's like, you know, it's, it's like squirrel, you know? It's just one of these, yeah, you know, type of situations, and then it's kind of what's happening here in this passage. Paul loses, and I think it's divinely inspired, I think it's God's word, and we're going to talk about wh- why this rabbit trail happens, but in my study, I'm sitting here, and there's like a rhythm to the book of Ephesians, and this passage just doesn't really fit the rhythm, all right? I think it's, it's inspired of God, I think God put it there, but the rhythmic writing, the way it's written, it has this block upon block, block upon block, except for this passage it's just a detour it's just it's just a rabbit trail and and he goes you say how do you know that i started reading commentaries and i started looking at other theologians and what they had to say about this passage and they're all pretty much in agreement paul goes add (laughs) he just goes off on this rabbit trail and for 13 verses he goes that you say how do you know this notice verse number one for this cause i paul da 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 for 10 now go down to verse 14 finally he catches his train of thought he's all oh yeah for this cause i (laughs) and it's not till verse 14 that he actually tells you what it is he's going to do and he says for this cause i paul now bow my knee unto the father of our lord jesus christ and then he goes into a prayer and so literally for these 13 verses what is our passage today is is really just a little bit of a detour outside the rhythm of the uh, book of Ephesians. And, and so next time I do this, <laughs> I hope you'll show grace. I mean, you say, why? Because the Apostle Paul does it every once in a while. A preacher's going to do some of these things and kind of move along these ways and stuff. But I do think there's something incredibly helpful for us in these 13 verses that uh, were just read a moment ago, okay? And so we're going to kind of dive into that today. Let's just begin reading. We're going to march our way through this text because I know if you're sitting here today, you could care less with what I have to say, all right? And I understand that you guys don't go to church so you can find out, you know, what a 34-year-old thinks about the world. You're here to, what's the Bible have to say? What's God have to say? And so to the best of my ability, uh, we're gonna just try to get out of the way and I'm gonna try not to go on a tangent, on a rabbit trail, on a, you know, detour. And we're just gonna really just dive into this book and what does this book have to teach us, all right? So let's just, let's get going. Notice verse number three. The Apostle Paul here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says he 
middle of verse 3, made known unto me, God has made known unto me the mystery. This, I want you to focus on this for a moment because this word mystery is going to come up several times as we're moving through this passage. He says, God made known unto me the mystery. He says, I wrote about it before, and he writes about it in chapter number 2 uh, in verses uh, number uh, 11 and 12. He talks about uh, the mystery that takes place here, and, and, and then he goes on to verse number 4. He says, whereby when ye read... Ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So here he uses the word a second time, mystery, all right? This is really interesting. Why does he keep using this word mystery? Verse number four, all right? And verse number five, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of man. And so he's saying, hey, in times past, in the past, this mystery, this wasn't something that most people understood. This was not things that, it was kind of shrouded. It was kind of hidden here. He says it was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And so the Apostle Paul, in these three verses, he's, he's kind of laying the foundation for, I'm about to talk about this mystery. Mystery. Now, I don't know about you. I personally, I mean my personality, I love watching a good mystery or one of the, you know, you, you see one of these movies and you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to watch the Sherlock Holmes uh, episodes and things like that. And, and uh, there were others of these. There was an old one. I forget the name of it, but it was this Chinese kind of guy and he'd go in and solve all these mysteries. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed a good mystery. Anybody else like that? You just enjoy watching something and you don't know how it's going to quite turn out. And then you're, you're kind of watching it as it goes along and like that doesn't make sense and what's happening here and it's just a mystery and then all of a sudden the very end you know it's like boom it it hits you and you're like ah that makes perfect sense and then you start thinking back to all the other things uh every once in a while my wife and i'll watch a movie and it's like we got to go back and watch a part and we're like ah that makes sense i get why they were doing that now and it all kind of brings it together and that's like what's happening here because the apostle paul is like there was this mystery a theological spiritual mystery and it didn't it didn't fully make sense because like as you're reading the old testament for those of you who have read the old testament before it's kind of mysterious like you get to genesis and and they're and they're slaying lambs for the atonement of sins and it's a little like oh it's confusing and 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 then there's all this symbolic imagery in the worship within the temple and it's kind of like what do all these symbols mean and and what's it all about and and then there's these uh, messianic prophecies and these prophets stand up and they start talking about this coming messiah the one that was going to save the world and it's it's kind of like mysterious it's like what's it all talking about and What's this all mean and how does this all fit together? And, and we read passages where the Bible says that we're going to be, uh, that the nation of Israel is going to be blessed through the seed, through the lineage of Abraham. And there's all this, there's all this imagery and all this symbolism and all this uh, mystery that, shroud, that shrouds kind of the Old Testament. And, and to be honest, it kind of doesn't always make perfect sense until you get to the latter portions of the Bible, and then all the pieces start coming together. Now, what you have to understand is when Paul is writing this nearly 2,000 years ago, they were smack dab in the middle of having all this start making sense. Jesus has just come on the scene. He's just starting to put all the pieces together. He's revealing himself as the Messiah that has been prophesied about for thousands of years. And so now there are still people living on the planet, and the, the Old Testament canon is still confused 
confusing to them. It's still a mystery. It's still shrouded in imagery and symbolism, and it all hasn't come together. And Paul stands up and he says to the church at Ephesus, hey, this mystery, it's about to get revealed. This thing is going to come to pass. And so he talks about this mystery now being revealed. You say, what was the mystery that was going to be revealed? Let's keep moving to verse number six. He says in verse five, to make known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ by the gospel. Now, don't miss this, all right? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, you want to know what the mystery is? You want to know what the revealing of this mystery is? He says in verse 6 that the Gentiles, these are the non-Jews, they also get to be a part of this covenant. Like, like when, when God said, wait a second, that the nation shall be blessed by Abraham's seed and lineage, But then it goes on to say, and all the nations shall be blessed. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, wait a second. Yes, this is the mystery. It's not just the Jews that get to experience the covenant. It's not just the Israelites that are going to get to experience this promise, this blessing in Abraham. Every nation and every tribe and every tongue is going to get to experience the blessing, the covenant, and the promise that is ours in the person of Jesus. And that's what verse 6 reveals. It reveals that this mystery is not just that salvation, that the blessing of God is not just going to be on a select people while he used the Jewish people to bring the Messiah through, though the Jewish people were his uh, chosen people through which he was going to send the Messiah, the covenant, the promise, the blessing was going to be for every nation. It was going to be for every people. That salvation wasn't going to be limited to an ethnic group. That salvation wasn't going to be limited to a select few. But God, through his son, Jesus Christ, was going to pour out salvation upon all who would receive him. And that now is the mystery revealed. Which brings us to our first thought this morning, and that is simply this from our passage. In Christ, I am included and we'll flip it around in christ you are included in christ you're included in the covenant in christ you are included in the blessing in christ you're included in the promise in christ you're included in the salvation that god has for you and it brings us who who am i according to ephesians chapter number three when you are in christ you're included you're a part of this family romans chapter number eight verse 16 continues this thought when it says the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of god And so Paul is writing to these young believers who have accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Saviors. And he says, you're the children of God. And if you are children, then you are heirs. Wow. What's an an heir get? An heir gets an inheritance, right? 
And so literally what this passage is teaching is it's teaching not only are you part of God's family, not only are you his children, but now you have an inheritance. Literally the inheritance of God rests upon you because you are joint heirs with Christ. Jesus is God's son and you are now the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ in him. And the apostle Paul says you're included in this promise. You're included in this covenant. You're included in this salvation. And he says joint heirs with Jesus. Can I ask you a question? Has there ever been a time in your life where you felt like the outsider? Maybe it was in your family. Maybe you were the black sheep of the family. Anybody, anybody there? You were the black sheep. Uh, maybe for others of you, you went to school and uh, you, man, you wanted to be the popular one and you wanted, you wanted to be, kind of get along with friends and it just, for whatever reason, in school, that just wasn't you. you. You were an outsider. And like no matter how hard you tried to fit in, like you just didn't fit in. You, you always felt excluded. I remember when I was a kid, I, I've told you guys this story before, uh, I was incredibly short. I mean, you think I'm short now. I mean, I was, su- I was really short when I was a kid, and I could tell you so many stories. I mean, literally, when I was 16 years old, I got my driver's license. I was four foot, nine inches tall. No joke, on my driver's license, four feet, nine inches. I used to ride around with, you know, uh, little uh, phone books in order to sit up high enough in order to drive. Well, because of that, when we'd have these games, you know, you remember in grade school, you'd go out to recess during the time where it was to, you know, play a game, and the, the pickup games, and it was always like, the two biggest, fastest, strongest kids got to be the captain, uh, and so thereby I never got to be a captain, all right? And I remember those days, you know, there'd be one guy, and he'd be like, all right, I pick, and man, I'm in the back, and I'm jumping up, and I, I'm, I'm just trying, to, hey, pick me, you know, pick me, and, and, and then he, no, I'll, I'll take that guy right there, and they'd pick him, and then I'd run over to the other side, you know, and the next guy would be picking, and I'd be trying to get out in front, hey, pick me, pick me, and I just remember going back and forth, and for whatever reason, maybe it was my size, whatever the case may be, I remember trying, and literally, it was always the most horrible thing when there was like, like two of you left and the other guy you only had one leg you know <laughs> ah yeah we'll take him I'm like what in the world you know you just feel excluded you know and, and maybe 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 for you it was because of uh you know you just looks you just something about your appearance made you feel you know just excluded Maybe you had a handicap and it made you feel excluded. Maybe it was your personality. And, and I'm here to say this, that in Christ, because of who he has made you to be, when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone committed your life to him, Christ is in you and you are in him. And you, in Christ, you're no longer an outsider. You're no longer an outcast. You're no longer excluded because in Christ, you are included. That was what this mystery was all about. That, that's what this mystery revealed. It revealed that in Christ, there are no more outsiders. In Christ, there's no more has and has nots. In Christ, there's no more rich and poor. There's no more female and male. There's no more big shots and little shots. There's no more, you know, this side of the tracks and that side of the tracks. Because in Christ, it's all level at the cross. In Christ, we are all one. That's exactly what Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 10 says. It says here, Remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, 
And that at times you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And he was saying, hey, before Christ, you, there was not hope. There, the ground was not level. It was all, you had to scrape and you had to stretch and you had to fight and you had to claw if you were going to get something in this world and be something in this world. And then God came along and said, in Christ, you are enough. In Christ, you are accepted. I don't know if this is in your notes or not, but I'm going I'm to remind you of this reality, that we are accepted by God, not for what we do, but for what Jesus did. This is what separates Christianity from every other religion on the planet. It's what you think. Oh, there's so many religions, I can't figure them all out. They're all so confusing. I, I just can't even pick one. There's so many. I'm here to say there's two religions, two There's two. There's the religions that say do, and there's the religions that say done. Now, the do religions have many forms and factions. For some, it's you've got to do this and do that and do these things, wear those things, go to this church, go to become this member. Do, do. If you do enough, then you'll earn God's favor. You'll earn his happiness. And if you do this or if you do that, and depending on the religious faction, the do's are going to be different, but they're all basically at the core do. And then there's the Bible. And the Bible says because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross of Calvary, it is finished. In the Greek, the word is tetelestai. It is done. It is finished. It is complete. It has been done in Christ for you. And so I say today again, we are accepted by God, not by what we do. You say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I'm glad you're a good person. But that does nothing in your standing with God. You say, I'm, I'm pretty nice. I'm, 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 I'm better than that person. I'm better than those people. You're performance has nothing to do with your standing before God. Your performance, your standing with God, being accepted by God is not about what you do. It's about what Jesus Christ has already done on your behalf. And when Jesus went to the cross and he said, it is finished, he was meaning exactly that. It's done. Everything that you need for salvation is complete. It is finished in the finished work of Jesus Christ. In Christ, I'm accepted and you're accepted in his love. In Christ, you're accepted into his family. In Christ, you're accepted into his covenant. In Christ, you're accepted into his blessings. In Christ, you're accepted in his goodness. What a mystery. You see, Paul is trying to unravel this mystery and he's trying to help these Gentile, Gentile literally means the non-Jews, help them understand that the promises that have been given to the Jews are no longer just for the Jews. That the covenant, that what God was doing, he was doing on behalf of all nations. And because of Christ, they were included. Regardless of your past, regardless of your race, regardless of your heritage, regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of your gender, regardless of all these lesser things, in Christ you are included. In Christ you're included. But let's keep moving on. Now, some of you are sitting here and you're kind of like, okay. (gasps) Pastor, I, I, I know you've taken a few minutes with this, but I hate to burst your bubble. I kind of already knew that. (laughs) Like, that really wasn't a mystery to me. Like, I I I already knew it, you know? Uh, 
It's like for some of you, you know, when you got to that part on Star Wars. <laughs> or Darth Vader, I am your father. Like, I, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> That's what happened. I was aware of it. Now some of you, you're getting to, the, you're getting to this, and, and you're like, oh, I've been in church a long time, and, and you're like not telling me anything new. I knew we were included. Not much, much of a mystery. So you say, why is it a big deal? Here's why. Because to billions of people on this planet, this reality is still a mystery to them. Like literally, there are thousands of people that drive by churches in Fresno every single day and they don't get it. Like they really don't. They, they don't understand, why is there so many churches, and what's, this, what's the church thing all about? And literally, I have, we have people call our offices, and I, I can't speak for other churches, I'm just speaking for us. They call our offices and ask if visitors can come to our church. Like, they don't even, they don't even know that people are welcome if they're not a part of this church. Like, that's crazy, and I'm sure, I'm sure, like, there's not even that awareness that people are included, and, and, and if, if that's bad, take it a step further. There are lit- I've met and talked to people who literally believe that God doesn't accept them. Like they literally think, I have been so bad. If you knew my past, if you knew what I, they feel so guilty and they feel so sh- burdened with shame, they literally have convinced themselves that God does not care about them. Wow. See, to them, this whole message called the gospel, the good news, it's a mystery to them. And so lest we get kind of on our pious high horse and like, I don't get what the big deal is about, you know, I, I, I knew I was included. I knew that whosoever will may come. I, I knew that. Can I, I'm here to remind you of something, that there are billions of people in this world and they don't get it. And, and on, oftentimes we Christians don't make it easier for them. In fact, if anything, we make it, we make it more complicated. We, we, we have such airs about ourselves, and we put on such facades, and, and people are, start getting the impression that being a Christian is about what you do and what you don't do, and how you behave and how you don't behave, and, and they see that as the primary emphasis of what being a Christian is about. And I'm here to tell you that our, the primary emphasis of Christianity is not behavioral modification. That the primary emphasis of Christianity is Jesus Christ and his finished work. That is what Christianity is all about. Not how you behave, not how you perform, not what you do and what you don't do. Those are fruits, ramifications, but they are not the essence of what Christianity is. The essence of Christianity is Jesus Christ and that his finished work on the cross provided a way of salvation for all humanity. That is the essence. Everything else is just expressions. But the essence is Jesus and the grace that is available to you through his finished work on the cross. And yet there's a world of people and they literally have convinced themselves, I'm not good enough to go to that church. I don't, I don't dress right. Like that even matters. Like that means anything. I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, we have people call us. Literally, I, this is horrible. They don't know us. They're just working through a phone book. We've had people ask us before, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm black. Or am I allowed to go to your church? Literally, they, they don't realize that there's room. 
that in Christ they're included. That whosoever will may come. That whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. They don't get it. And, and, and Christians, we have all our idiosyncrasies and we're all eccentric in our own little ways. And, and to be honest, we, we confuse the primary message of what Christianity is about. And, and for a lot of people, because of the Christians they know at work and because of the Christians they know in their neighborhood, because of the Christians in their family, they, that what gets emphasized to them is not the finished work of Jesus Christ on their behalf. Something else gets emphasized. And not that those other things are bad or that those other things are wicked. They're just not the essence of Christianity. They're simply mere expressions. But the essence is Jesus. The essence is his finished work. And yet so many people outside the walls of churches and outside of maybe an upbringing in the word of God, they, it's a mystery to them. They don't understand the gospel. They don't get it. They've They've been, because of what they've been told, they really think that Christianity is about behavioral modification. And therefore, because for some people, they're so, their ma- behavior is way modified. There are people who don't go to church, and they probably behave better than I do. And then they convince themselves, I don't need church, because that's all church is about, is behavioral modification, right? Because they've got an impression, the mystery is still a mystery to them. They don't understand that the essence of Christianity is about a, a, a Messiah, a Savior, God in the flesh, come to this earth, lived a perfect and sinless life, went to the cross to take the punishment of our sin, your sin and my sin upon himself, literally took an atonement, took our punishment for us so we wouldn't have to experience it, died took our death, took our hell, took our punishment and our penalty, three days later rose from the dead proving he was God, proving he had power over death, proving he had what he, what he needed, the power to take us to heaven. And that is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that you don't have to do anymore. The good news of the gospel is it is done. It's done. It's finished. There's nothing else that you need to do for salvation it's a mystery so then go down to verse number eight i'll keep reading wherefore paul says he says because of what i just told you a minute ago because of this mystery that's being revealed wherefore he said i was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of god given unto me by the effectual working of his power he said there was a grace god gave me strength grace he gave me power he gave me the ability to do what he says this grace was given verse eight unto me who am the last, who am less than all the least of the saints. This is crazy. Paul says, I am so unworthy. I mean, if you know Paul's past, Paul was a murderer. Some of you did not know that. The apostle Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, was a murderer. (laughs) He killed people. He was an assassin, really, is what he was. He was a Jewish assassin before he came to Christ. That's That's what the apostle Paul did. He went and assassinated people who love Jesus. How would you like that on your resume? (laughs) That was his. And so the apostle Paul, he's like, he sees these words and he says, I am less than the least of all the saints. You can only imagine he's thinking about his past. He's thinking about the children that he murdered. And he's so ashamed. It's almost a tinge of guilt if he's not careful that begins to spring up. 
He says, you take the least, you take the most unworthy Christian in this room. And he's like, of all the people in Ephesus, he says, I'm the least of them. I, I am, I'm so unworthy. And yet God, for whatever reason, poured out his grace upon me. He says, I'm unworthy of this thing. And he goes on to say that I, he gave me a grace that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath he hidden God who created all things by Christ Jesus. And so the Paul, Paul is saying, God gave me the grace. He gave me the opportunity to share with others the, the fellowship of the mystery. And so Paul is literally saying to himself, I'm so unworthy, but I'm so grateful for what God has done. And it just is welling up inside of him. And, and literally, as he's going through this passage, he's reminding himself. He says, you know what? God's the one who's going to get all the glory from this. God gets the glory. Let's keep reading. Notice verse number 10, uh, verse 9. He says, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. He says, from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse number 10, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heaven, heavenly places might be known, notice this, by the church, the wisdom of God. Now, now here's what I want you to get. He says, he says, it's my prayer that the church would make known this mystery. That by the church, we're the church. This building is not the church. You say, I came in here. I don't know that I like the architecture. I don't know that I like the paint color. I don't think I like the screens. Well, that's good because those things aren't the church, all right? The people said, the pe- we, the people, the flesh and blood, we're the church. This is, just, this is just kind of a room. This is not a church, okay? These walls are not the church. These screens aren't the church. The light's not the church. Okay, a church is not a structure. A church is people, biblically, so if we went and went down to Woodward Park and sat in a circle and read the Bible, the church would be there. There'd be no church here. The church, it, we almost should change the sign because literally when we're not here, there is no church here. Because <laughs> this isn't church. This is the, it's a room. Okay, that's why we don't have to get caught up on what is the, what is the paint going to look like and what type of architecture. It's just is irrelevant biblically. Because the church is us. We, the body, we're the church. Okay? And so Paul says the church, that it's the church that has the opportunity to make known the mystery of this fellowship. You know what Paul's saying here? He said, I'm, I'm the least of all the saints, and yet I, I don't know why God gives me the opportunity and the grace now to share this incredible gospel, this good news with a world around me, which brings us here to our last point, and that is this. Yes, in Christ I am included. Secondly, so that I can be involved. See, Paul was so overwhelmed with the fact that God included him. He, I'm, he was like, I am the least. I am the most unworthy. The fact that God would use me is so crazy to me. And yet he was so overwhelmed by God's goodness. He was so overwhelmed by God's grace. It just did something in his heart. And he was reminded of the fact that now we have the opportunity to share with the world the mystery of this fellowship. So because I am included, now I can be involved. Romans chapter number 1 verse 16 says it this way. 
I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ or the, the good news of Christ or the message of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek or to the Gentile, to those of us who aren't Jews. And so uh, we're finding here Paul saying, I'm not ashamed of this message. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He's saying it's, by, it's through us, through people, through us, the church, that we're going to make known this mystery to the world around us, this mystery that people can be included in Christ, the mystery that visitors and guests are welcome, the mystery that God loves people with tainted past, people who are living under the guilt of shame and the people who feel like they're unworthy God came for them and God loves them regardless of their past he loves them just the way they are they can come just as they are I love the song we sang ago just as I am you know what that's the way God accepts you just the way you are see a lot of people think well I'd go to church and I'd come to Christ but I'd, then I'd have to change this and change that you don't have to change nothing but come to Jesus first because he's actually the one who begins the change process. You can't change without Jesus, holistically. You might be able to change a little surface behavior. You might be able to change some outward action. But holistic, changing your attitudes, your motives, your values, your worldviews, your appetites. All, a holistic change. Only Jesus, his spirit, can do that. And that's why we come to Jesus first and say, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want to change, change. But see, so many people have this idea like, I'm, I've got to clean myself up first and then I'll come to Jesus. I'll clean myself up first, then I'll go to church. It just unfortunately doesn't really work that way. We come to Jesus just as we are. Warts and all. Just like this. You can come. You can come. And we need to let people know that that's the reality. So many people outside the church don't understand that. It's a mystery to them. They think when they pass by Ambassador Baptist Church, they think, well, they're looking for that type of person. They're looking for this type of person. They drive by other churches and they're thinking to themselves, well, that's for that racial background. That's for that national background. That's a church for the rich people. That's a church for the poor people. That's a church for the, you know, has, and that's a church for the has-nots. And there's just, there's so much confusion. And people, they literally don't know that in Christ they're included. We have no target demographic here at Ambassador Baptist Church. It's not like, okay, we're looking for, you know, Fresno Freddy <laughs> to come to this church. We have no demographic. You say, what kind of ethnic background are we looking for? We have none, because Jesus has none. You say, what, are you, are you guys looking for rich people or poor people? It doesn't matter, because Jesus loves all people. You looking for black people or white people? You looking for Hispanics? You looking for Asian? All people are welcome. All, whosoever will may come. You say, well, what, what type of personalities? Type A or type laid back? I'm telling you, all are included. And we have to let our community know that that's the reality of the gospel. And yes, I understand that there are Christians that confuse that. And there are Christians that project something different. Maybe not even knowingly, but just... Through their actions, they project something different because of, you know, something they, some, some look that they give somebody or some pious, holier-than-thou attitude that they kind of give off. And, and I, we're all human, right? We, we, Christians aren't perfect. We know that. But we need to communicate to a community and to a world that Jesus loves them just the way they are. That's the mystery of the gospel. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, I'm, I feel so blessed that I could be used to unveil this mystery. Philippians 1.27, Paul says this. 
only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He's saying to the church at Philippi here, he says, whether I come and see you or else I be absent, that I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so Paul is saying here, let your conversation, let's talk about the gospel. Let's speak of the reality. Yes, we can emphasize lesser things. We can emphasize the way this, you know, dress and we can emphasize music or we can emphasize, or you could emphasize what really matters, Jesus. And your community and your coworkers and your family knows that what Christianity is authentically about is not authentically about the way you dress. It's not mainly about the music you listen to. It's not mainly about your, your friends or the type of friends you have or the places you work. Primarily, Christianity is about Jesus and his finished work on the cross of Calvary. And it's our responsibility to unshroud the mystery to them lest they get confused and begin to believe that Christianity is something about something less than Jesus. And that's what's so sad because we all have family members and we all have neighbors and we all have people at our workplaces and they think that Christianity is about something other than Jesus. They understand he's like a part of it, but in their hearts and minds, it's actually about the way you behave. It's actually about the type of place you work at. It's actually about what you wear and what you listen to and where you go and where you don't go. And while those are expressions that the Spirit of God works out in his time, they're not the essence. The essence is Jesus. Have you or have you not put your faith, trust, and belief in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone to be your personal Lord Lord and Savior? It's about as simple as that. Everything else is secondary. Everything else comes in its time. And so Paul said, whether we be absent. He says, whether I be there or I'm not there, let, let's talk about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So many of you, you try to change the behaviors of your relatives. You're trying to change the behaviors of your coworkers. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't work. Don't try. Only Jesus can change them. Give them Jesus and let Jesus do what he's going to do. Let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. Your job is not to modify the behavior of people around you. Your job is to tell people about the glorious gospel, the good news of Jesus, and let him take care of everything else. I am included so that I can be involved. Can I, let me, let me, this might be in your notes here, and then we're going to wrap this up. Our involvement in proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus should flow out of a spirit of gratitude not out of a spirit of guilt. You know why I want to talk to other people about Jesus? Because I'm fully aware of what Jesus has done for me. If, if the only reason you talk about Jesus is because like, well, if they're going to, I feel guilty if I don't tell somebody, about, if I don't talk about Jesus, that's, then you know what? Don't talk about Jesus. Don't. Because the motive you'll sabotage, you'll sabotage it. But I hope you are so in love with Jesus that Jesus has done something so real in your own heart that you've experienced him. Like the Bible says, you've tasted and you've seen that he is good and you want everybody around you to have that same experience. That is the heart. That is the spirit in which our communication and conversation of the gospel should flow. Not out of guilt, but out of gratitude for how great and good he's been to us. So if you find it's hard to share, talk about Jesus, don't, well, I'm gonna make myself talk about Jesus even when I don't want to. That's the wrong, that's the wrong path fall deeper in love with Jesus, experience him afresh and anew in a new way, and allow him that joy to flow out of it.
I'm going to ask if I can as we, can cl- if we close today. I'm going to ask our ushers if they're going to make their way here toward the front. We have basically what we want to give you is ways we can be the church in this community. And then we're going to wrap this up. We've put together what we call our outreach guide, and, and we talk a lot about churches, not just about gathering. Really, this is just the huddle. When we come together on Sunday, this is not what makes us a good Christian. I'm going to ask one per family uh, for these. But a lot of people will ask, how, how can I be involved in being the church? If, if coming to church isn't what it's all about, if, if being the church is more than about huddling, because a lot of people outside the church think, well, they just go into their little church, they do their little thing, and then they, they, there's nothing. They don't care about anybody else. They don't live for anybody else. They don't serve anybody. We've got we've to change that. We've got to be the church in Fresno that cares about the poor, that cares about the homeless, that cares about the needy, that cares about the hungry, that cares about the lost. And so what we've done is we've given opportunities to get involved in being the church. This is where we gather, but we don't, this is not what makes us a good church. What makes us a good church is what we do once we leave these walls, once we leave this building, once we leave this place. That defines how successful we are as a church, not how we dress when we're here, not how we behave when we're in this building, not our preferences when we're around. No, what defines the, uh, the, the, uh, the level of our church is who we are outside of these walls, the hungry that we are feeding, the lost that we are guiding. The, the, how are we helping? And so this is an outreach guide. And, and one of the things that we make available is an environment that we have almost every Sunday afternoon. And we ask people, how is the Spirit of God leading you to get involved? Is God leading you to be involved in community service? Then we want to give you a way to get involved in community service. If God's leading you to work with the homeless, then we want to give you an opportunity to work with the homeless. You say, well, about what about nursing homes? There are opportunities for you to get involved and to serve people in nursing homes, to give the gospel to those who are, who are seeking and they want to know more about this message. Then we want to get, if that's what God's leading you to do, then we want, to, we want to give you the opportunity. We want to help you. We want to train you. Go out and be the church. See, church is not about just gathering. Church is about scattering. In fact, the, most, the success of a church is not in its seating capacity. It's really in its sending capacity. And this, we're only as great of a church as what happens outside these walls. What we do inside these walls, it's a huddle. But how many football games have been won in huddles? None. <laughs> All right? Football game huddles, you come together, you kind of put things, and then you run the plays. You play the game. Um, a lot of churches are kind of like football stadiums. You have 12 people in desperate need of rest with 22,000 people in the stands who are in desperate need of exercise watching. (laughs) And that's the way a lot of churches are. 22,000 people in desperate need of exercising watching 12 people in desperate need of rest doing it. And that's what churches become. And we're going to be different because we are different to be the church. And we're not going to tell you how to be the church But if you want training and if you want resources and if you want opportunities, we want to be here to help you help others. In fact, today is an opportunity. At 3 o'clock from 6 o'clock today, uh, we have, and I I don't know if it's the Red Cross or who exactly is me, we're doing a blood drive from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock right here on this property. And an opportunity for us to give back to our community. There are people whose lives are being saved and being helped. And you can be a part in making a real difference 
Not just wearing a tie to church and thinking you've really done something for God. I'm talking about being the church, making a difference, getting outside of our walls and doing something that actually matters for God. And whether that's, I'm not saying you have to give blood because maybe that's not what the the Lord's leading you to do, but I am saying this. Would you consider and pray how God might be leading you to do something? to be the church, to get to show and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around you. And we're going to be a church that continually grows in our ability in making a difference here in Fresno because we're not satisfied with just being a place that comes together for a holy huddle and then thinks we're all that in a bag of chips because, man, we can sing good. We're a church that takes in so that we can give out. And the success of our future is going to be defined by not what we take in in this room, but what we give out outside of this room. And we want to equip you, and we want to help you, and we want to give you the resources you need and the opportunities you need to be the church here in West Fresno and make a difference that literally will impact the future of this city. And God can do it. So I am included. Praise God. Why are we included? so that we can be involved, so we can be involved in being the church in the world in which we live. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.